Welcome back. Some people in baseball say the fastest way to make your high school varsity team, a college team, or even the major, te- the even their or even the major leagues, is by playing catcher. I am Grayson Knight, and this is Baseball Podcasts Are Fun. Today, I'm joined by someone that can help prove this to be true. Ryan Lavarnway is a professional baseball player with 14 years of experience. Ryan was drafted out of Yale University by the Boston Red Sox a team he helped win a 2013 World Series. After several stints between teams like the Orioles, Braves, Blue Jays, and others, Ryan played for Team Israel in the 2017 World Baseball Classic and again in the, 20, in the 2020 Olympics. This past season, he finished as a catcher with the Marlins organization, playing for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, and he's currently now a free agent. Friends, please welcome my guest, Ryan LaVarnway. Ryan, how you doing? What's going on, bud? Nice intro. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you played with teams all over. Um, how did you originally get into baseball? How did I get into pro ball or how did I get into baseball in general? Like, like baseball in general, like when you were young. Uh, well, my dad always played baseball and softball. So I think even when I was a baby, I was always at the baseball field, even before I knew what baseball was. And then the legend in my family has it that my kindergarten teacher sent me home with a note that said, Ryan is not good at sharing. He needs to start playing a team sport. <laughs> so they, they signed me up for baseball when I was about five years old, and the rest is history. Oh, wow. Um, so I've been reading a lot about you on Wikipedia. Can you tell me, did you ever go back and finish your Yale philosophy degree? Um, I have done one semester since I left, so I have one semester left. Okay. Um, so how long is that, like a year maybe? I have no idea. One semester is like three or four months. Okay. Um, so my mom got mad a few weeks ago because I had to get taken out of school on a Friday tournament. Uh, we, we value education a lot in this family. As you should. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks for being here. Um, would you mind telling me and my listeners, uh, you grew up in um, Southern California, right? Yes. So uh, what was your t- favorite team? I grew up rooting for the Dodgers. Oh, Good team. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, how originally did uh when you, like I know you said uh, your kindergarten teacher and all that, but um, how did you like start liking baseball from t-ball, and then how did it go? Uh, well, I think I I kind of had a knack for it. So my dad, anytime we were on the drive to school, my dad was always talking about the game, and the mental side of the game, and how baseball you had to think about things ahead of time and anticipate. So that was kind of my connection with my father, and I, I had a knack for it. And I think everybody really likes and enjoys doing things that they're good at. So it was this self-fulfilling prophecy, like a circle of, you know, I was good at it, so I wanted to play it more, and then the more I played it, the better I got, and then I liked it because I was good at it, and, and it kept going in a circle like that. And I happened to be, my birthday is August 7th, and I think that helped me because when I was growing up, the cutoff for Little League for the age brackets was July 31st. I think it's changed into June now, but I was always the oldest, like one of the oldest kids in my, my age bracket, which when you're growing up, if you're six months or eight months older than the kids on your team, that could be a big difference in being bigger and stronger. So I think that helped when my birthday was. And the fact that my dad liked it so much, I think really helped me. Um, so did you play any other sports when you're growing up? I played basketball for a couple seasons, like rec rec league basketball, and I was 
I was pretty average. I think maybe I made like the B all-star team one year. And then I didn't end up even playing all-stars because it was baseball season again, baby. Yeah. Um, so what about baseball? Uh, did it uh, seem fun for you when you were growing up? I love, I love to hit. I've always loved to hit when I, in my free time, I would go to the field and I would wait till all the games were done. And I would just take batting practice, whether it was by myself or with a teammate. And I remember one of my holiday gifts one year, I got a swing away so I could take swings off. The, you know, it was like a floating tee. Uh, if you've never heard of this thing, it's like a, it hold, it suspends a ball from the bungee board above. You have one of those? I have that. Yeah. That was probably the best holiday gift I ever got. And I would just take swings after swings after swings in my garage. And uh, I just always loved hitting. And then I, I grew to appreciate how important defense was. And I, I loved catching and, and taking fly balls. And I just I just love being on the field. And it feels like that's where I belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, did you mostly play rec or did you uh, transition to travel ball when you were around my age? So when I was growing up, we played. I played in Pony League, not Little League which is oh, okay. kind of a distinction. Like a lot lo- lo- lower. I mean, a lot younger. Um, It's more, I think the rules are slightly different, but this very similar, you know, ages. It's just like you can lead off and steal bases at a younger age. Kids pitch at a younger age. I think maybe the bases are a little bit bigger. Little League is a brand name, right? It's like Pop Warner football. It's not just all kids that play baseball play Little League. So we played Pony League and it was very competitive. Little leagues and pony leagues in Southern California are very competitive, and we would make the the all star team for our our recreation league. I don't think I started playing like pay per play club travel ball until I was about twelve, and that was just for two or three years until I started high school. Um. So when you were a teenager, uh, who's who was in your life that was really pushing you to become a great baseball player? That's a great question. Um. My my parents always kind of let me stay self-motivated the way the word that you used in your question that I'm really keying in on right now is who pushed you and I think being pushed from an outside perspective wasn't really something that I needed I've always been very driven I've always known that I wanted to play baseball in the major leagues um, and that was just kind of in me it, it burned like a fire that that kept my my engine going and I think along the way there was some coaches that helped me believe that I could be better than I thought I was going to be. And, and I think they kind of helped my life and I had great conversations that I can look at as turning points. But as far as who pushed me, I didn't need that push. Cause I, I had, I had it inside of me already. Uh, did you have any siblings uh, who were really competitive with you? I have one sister. She's about three years younger. Her name's Courtney. We were not competitive together. She also played softball for a couple of years and she was really talented in her own right. But we didn't compete with each other. We just kind of supported each other. Um. So when I got to meet you a couple months ago uh, at a Stripers game, uh, and when we met you with pitcher Anthony Maldonado, uh, who's also a guest on our show last season, uh, we talked about how you kind of scolded him for uh, about autographs, and he was scribbling his autographs, and no one could read it. Um, how, uh, for my listeners that don't know, how do you want people to write autographs? So for everyone that's listening, I don't know who your audience is, but I imagine it might be kids your age. So when people start asking for your autograph, when you get a little bit older and you get famous, make sure that they can read it. Because what's the point of getting an autograph if five minutes later you forget who it was, right? (laughs) 
So I think it was uh, either it was either Derek Jeter or Arnold Palmer, the famous golfer, that said, "Sign your autograph so the kids can read it." And I heard that quote, and it's kind of stuck with me through the years. Uh, my dad said watching you with Anthony was like Crash Davis in Bull Durham. I've never seen that movie, but he wanted to know has your career how how has your career felt like that? Um, I think my career has kind of turned into that in the last few years. So since you haven't seen the movie, I can give you some context. Crash Davis is a character that is an older catcher. He never really made it to the major leagues himself, maybe just for a little bit. But then he's in AAA, and his main role on the team is to help the younger pitchers. And that's kind of where I'm at now in my career. This season, it was my my 14th or my 15th season. I didn't play in the major leagues at all myself this year, but I've played in the major leagues for 10 years before this. So this year, my job was really to help pitchers like Anthony and all the other younger players whose careers are still just getting started. They're just still learning who they are as players and who they're going to be in the professional game. So I've really embraced that role of being able to help these guys with some of my experience and just sharing the things that I've been through. So hopefully they can learn lessons from our conversations and not have to learn them the hard way like I did. Mm. So, okay, over 14 or 15 seasons baseball, but before you were drafted, you went to Yale University. That's not only a prestigious school, uh, but it's far, uh, but it's, it's far from your California home. Uh, why did you decide to go there? Uh, I was ready to kind of get out of the house and, and make my own rules, if you will. And I was recruited by them, by their baseball team. And I wasn't really highly recruited by a lot of other places. So when they called, I remember being so excited. I was in, when I heard their, their voicemail, it was on our, our house phone because that was back in the day when everybody actually had a house phone and we didn't really have cell phones yet. <laughs> That's how old I am. Mm-hmm. And our house phone voicemail machine was located in a little hallway between our entry door and the kitchen. And the ceiling is a little lower in that hallway. I physically remember jumping off the ground and bopping my head on the, on the ceiling. I was so excited that I got that call. Uh, But it was definitely the best opportunity academically on hundred percent. And it was probably the best opportunity I had to play division one baseball also. So for me, when, when they recruited me, it was an easy choice. Uh, so what do you think are some differences between high school and college ball? Ooh, good question. Um, I think in high school, you have a lot of players that just make the team because maybe the high school has a policy where they don't make cuts or you have players that um, just happen to live in an area where the the district doesn't have a lot of great players or, uh, or whatever. Um, but going from high school to college, it's really just the best two or three players on each high school team that get to play college. And now everyone you're playing against was the best on every team they've ever been on. And then when you go from college to pro, it's the same thing again. Only the best one or two guys from each college team get to go pro. And everyone you're playing against was the best player they've ever been on and and so on and so forth. And it's like this pyramid or this triangle where you have all these people that play high school and then less get to play college, less get to get drafted less get to make it to the majors and and even less to play in the Olympics. That was incredible. Yeah. So it was, it was a pretty cool thing. And um, my, my, my thing to young players is just really enjoy playing. Cause you never know when it's going to be over. Uh, and if you have fun along the way, then that's really the most important thing. 
Um, and you're pummeling nodes as a catcher, uh, but you played a lot of outfield uh, before you got behind the plate permanently, right? Um, do you think it would be help? Uh, do you think it helped a lot when you were drafted? I do not think playing outfield helped me get drafted because I am the slowest runner on every team I play on. So nobody is looking for me to play outfield. <laughs> um, but I think it, it was important for me as an amateur player because I never caught one game on the varsity team in high school. I wasn't as good as the other guy in my grade. So in order to play on the varsity team, I had to find another position. And my dad had always told me, it doesn't matter if you're the second best in the whole world at your position. If the guy who's the first best is on your team, you're not going to play. So you better be able to play somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I think that it's just catchers are more probably known for their arm and just catching the ball. It's not really anything else, but that's why you see like JT Romuto. He he's the, he's the fastest pop time and he's the fastest catcher, like like run speed. Uh, how do you think other catchers can compare to him or get as good as JT Romuto is? Well, JT Romuto is a very very special player. Um. Not a lot of people can be nearly as fast foot speed wise as he is. And that lends to how fast he can get the ball to second base too, because he has great feet in addition to having a strong arm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that, I don't know that there's a lot that a lot of people can do to be like him, but if they want to be close at all, it's just about being as good of an athlete as you can. It's don't, don't specialize just in your position, be a great athlete, practice with the track and field team in your spare time do sprints, you know, work on your core. Uh, he's just a great, great athlete. When you're a catcher, when you make it to the high levels, you're the catcher. There's no, there's really no other catcher. Is that, is that right? Uh, normally each team carries two or maybe three catchers. Cause when you play every day, you can't catch every single game. That's true. Um, but like most, some teams in the, in the major leagues probably only use one catcher, but they can use two. Like, uh, some, uh, you, do you have a backup catcher? Yep. Normally there's, there's two on every team I've played in and pro there's at least two, sometimes three. Okay. Um, so what do you remember or what can you describe about being drafted by the Red Sox? I can only imagine it was this amazing feeling you uh, reached, uh, that you reached your dreams. It was very cool. I got drafted in the June of 2008 draft and the Red Sox had won the world series the year before in 2007. So they drafted me. They said, we're so excited to have you call us tomorrow and we'll finalize your contract or whatever. And when I called back the next day, whoever answered the phone answered it. World Series champion, Boston Red Sox. How may I direct your call? And I was like, oh, man, the World Series champions just drafted me. That was pretty cool. Um, when, uh, were you really nervous when you first uh, became a professional baseball player? I was very nervous when I showed up, yes, because I had a broken wrist during the draft. So I didn't – the draft was in June, and I didn't play my first game until August. So all the guys on the team had been together for months and had been playing together, and I didn't show up till later, and I was coming off an injury. And I remember there was already three catchers on the team. So when I showed up, everybody was like, we don't need another catcher. What are you doing here? And it, it felt – I felt like a fish out of water – and I really was not very confident at that time. And I had to start playing and get in the rhythm to get my confidence back. Um, so your career, I could say, has been really up and down between the major leagues and AAA and the minor leagues. 
What, how does that, what did that experience do to help you work through the adversity? Well, I think learn, learning how to deal with the adversity is the only reason that I've survived and stayed around so long, because every time you get called up, it is a dream come true, right? Do you have the dream of playing in the major leagues one day? Yes, I do. So you can imagine you work for your whole life. Even if you get to the big leagues very, very quickly, you'll be maybe 20 years old, 21 years old. Imagine having the same dream since you were five. So for 16 years, there's this one thing you've wanted to do. And it finally comes true. You finally got called up. And eight days after my first call up and I played great, I was hitting like 305. They said, oh, you got to go back down to the minor leagues because Big Poppy's healthy again. So I can't even argue, right? I can't even argue that I agree. If Big Poppy's healthy, I should go down. (laughs) But eight days ago, my dream came true. And now eight days later, you're breaking my heart. And that's happened to me 26 times over the course of, of the last 12 years. So you really have to have thick skin and learn how to just focus on what's the next step I can take and how can I find a way to get back to the big leagues and make my dream come true one more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, but me and Anthony and Anthony Maldonado worked out with the same trainer. Uh, Coach Steve has been helping me push through some things. Um, that I that really I think that are tough. I had an injury, uh, back in July at Cooperstown Dreams Park. Um, I'm just now learning to deal with adversity. I think. Um, so in 2013, uh, you were back and forth, uh, with the Red Sox and the Miners, but you actually earned a World Series ring. So how was that? It was pretty cool. It's right here behind me. <laughs> oh, right there. Oh, what are the, what are those other rings? Uh, those I have three AAA championship. You want me to bring them over? Yeah, sure. Watch this on YouTube if you guys can't see. Oh, that's awesome. So that this, is cool. The, this one's the World Series ring, and then this was the year before I won the AAA championship. Okay. And then the year after was the AAA championship again, and then this one was a uh, 2019 AAA championship again. Do you have any uh, other rings from other teams, like when you're on the Braves? Uh, nope, just the the AAA. Just with the Red the, Sox. Red Sox, and then AAA with the Indians was the the third AAA championship. Mm-hmm. So that's that's incredible. Uh, in 2017, uh, like I was saying in my intro, you joined Team Israel for the for the 2017 World Baseball Classic. How did that happen, and what exactly is the World Baseball Classic? Is that like the World Cup, but for baseball? Yeah, great question. So the World Baseball Classic was started by the Major League uh, Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball um, in conjunction together as partners. And the idea was that baseball had been taken out of the Olympics, and there was no major international tournament worldwide to grow the game. And the, the idea behind the tournament was we want – to baseball to be played worldwide and we want fans to be new people to become fans of baseball around the world. So they, what they did to help facilitate that was they made the rules for playing for each country a little bit easier than the Olympics. You didn't actually have to have a passport for the country. You just had to qualify to be able to get a passport and then you could play for that country. So whatever country you could, you could possibly get a passport you could play for that country so anthony rizzo played for italy even though he's not an italian citizen um jazz chisholm is playing for britain this next time 
um, and even though he's not from Britain. And I played for Israel because I mm-hmm. am Jewish and I ha- could become a citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, and three years yeah, later, yeah. three years later, I did become a citizen for the Olympics, but that's, you know, later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll also be playing with Harrison Bader of the Yankees. That'll be. Have you met him before? That's right. I, I have played against him, and our Israel World Baseball Classic team coming up in March is going to be really good. We've got some great players playing for us. Jock Peterson's going to play. Kevin Pilar is going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we can keep recruiting. Our manager is Ian Kinsler, who's a Texas Rangers Hall of Famer. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. so. You're play. You're actually playing Puerto Rico, which Anthony Maldonado is going to play for. Theoretically, you could actually hit against Anthony Maldonado. The mm. battery, the your bat, your battery mate could be the pitcher you face against in the World Baseball Classic. How would that feeling be like? Um, that would be fun. Actually, you know what? I actually nor- normally don't like hitting against people that I know because, um. I feel like I should have an advantage of knowing what they're going to throw me, but then I get up there and I overthink it and they end up throwing me a good pitch to hit. And I'm thinking too much instead of hitting. So, um, I, I think Anthony's a really good pitcher and I hope, uh, I hope if I do face off him that I can find a way to get a hit. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are you planning on, um, uh, uh, let me, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, are you planning on like trying to, get into the mid because you're a free agent right now right mm-hmm. are, are you are you planning on trying to get get a major league contract now that you're a free agent i hope so that's you know that's the plan when you're playing baseball especially when you're playing in the minor leagues the goal is to get back to the big leagues mm-hmm. um do you think uh major league teams play co- close attention on the like the world baseball classic and minor league minor league players I'd like to think so. I think that there are scouts at all of those games and they're always looking for someone that is undervalued by someone else or someone they can trade for, or if there's an injury, someone that might be available. That's the reason that I have played for so many teams is there was a need somewhere and, and either I'm available or I can be traded for. And when there's a need, then you can fill the need. Mm-hmm. So actually my dad's part Jewish. So that means I'm part Jewish. So you think you could be you could put me a a good word for Israel in, in like ten years? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely in. Keep playing, keep getting better, and we'd love to have you. Mm. So I want to get your perspective on travel ball in a second, but first, can we talk about the really fun Instagram videos? Uh, my dad showed me all the old sp- Sports Center commercials and the reels on Instagram. How did you like start making those, and what's your like drive on social media? Um, I started making videos on Instagram on Super Bowl Sunday. It was the, really the first one that I made. And I didn't mean to be funny. I just put, I had played in the major leagues for eight different teams and I have all my jerseys. So I put the jerseys on and I pretended like I had a remote control and I, I was changing the channel. And every time I hit the remote, my jersey changed on my body. And I was just pondering, what team am I going to sign with? I don't know who I'm going to play for this year. And it went viral. I got like 900,000 views and people were like, Oh my God, this is hilarious. We love this. We need more of this. And I was like, I wasn't, I didn't even mean to be funny. So then I, you know, people loved it so much. I, I started just being silly and showing my, my silly side on Instagram and it's got really great feedback and I'm having Mm -hmm. a lot of fun doing it. Social media is getting really popular nowadays. Yeah. 
Um, has it been easy or hard to convince other players or team mascots to be in videos with you? You know what? Some of the times it's my teammates inside of the mascot in those videos. Really? So if you go back and watch him, yep, you notice sometimes he's taller and sometimes he's not as tall. That's because of who I got to be the mascot for that day. But <laughs> the guys, the guys that enjoy the videos, I think they have fun making them with me, or at least I'd like to think so. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the favorites that you've done? My favorite ones, uh, I had a lot of fun with the shrimp and I have, I have another one coming out soon um, about what happened. What would it look like if you lived your life the same way you practiced baseball? And I haven't posted it yet, but it's coming soon. And, and I had a lot of fun making that one. Nice. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to wrap up my, my interview, but let's, let's talk about pickleball for a second because you love pickleball and I love pickleball and pickleball. <laughs> Is like the second greatest sport ever besides baseball. Uh, yeah, it's fun. My uh, my wife's mom brought me out one time, and I and I played with all the sixty year old ladies, so we had a good time. Um, do you think pickleball is like a great sport in like the off season just to play sometimes? It's definitely good to run around and stay athletic, and and I love any sport that has a ball involved. You know, football, basketball, pickleball, ping pong. If it's got a ball, I'm in. Uh, uh, last one. Uh, what do you think your post-playing career looks like? Coaching, commentating, something else? Finishing Yale? Yes, maybe all three of those. Maybe one of those. I'm not really sure yet. Um, I've kind of always believed that having a plan B distracts from plan A. So I'm working on one thing at a time. And if I can figure <laughs> when the time comes, I'll figure out what's next. All right, Ryan, we made it to the not-so-rapid-fire questions. You can answer with as much or as little info as you want. You ready? Let's do it. Your favorite MLB park to play in? Uh, Camden Yards. Camden Yards? Ooh, nice. Um, your favorite MLB memory? Um, hitting two home runs in my Cincinnati Reds debut. Nice. Uh, what is your favorite mascot in baseball? Scampy the Jumbo Shrimp. Scampy the Jumbo Shrimp. My mom always wants to know, do you have any uh, game day or at-bat superstitions? Hmm. When I was in AAA in 2013, uh, 2011, I had the same Quiznos sandwich for breakfast every morning because I was on a hot streak and I hit 10 home runs in eight games. Wow, that's awesome. Um, was there someone you grew up watching that you got to play with? And if so, were they nice to you or was it like a letdown? I loved watching Jason Veritek as I was growing up. And I also loved watching Chipper Jones and I got to play with Jason and I got to meet Chipper when I played with her for the Braves. And they were both extremely, extremely nice and generous. And I have nothing but respect for both of them. What is your all time favorite baseball movie? Major League. Ooh, Major League. That's a good one. Um, I've seen that. I think mine is probably Sandlot, The Natural, or Field of Dreams. Mm, good ones. Uh, uh, last one. What would you tell younger? What would you tell your younger ball player self if you could? Um, I heard. So I want to. I want to give two answers if that's okay. That's fine. Um, the first one. I heard Derek Jeter get asked the question the other day, what advice would you have for young ball players? And he said, get ready to fail and learn how to fail successfully. Because 
as a baseball player, you're going to fail seven out of 10, even if you're a hall of famer. And I thought that was great advice. Um, but to not copy Derek Jeter, <laughs> what I would say is the coaching moments that ended up being turning points for me in my career. Every time it was when a coach thought I was better than I thought I was. And he, he raised the standards of what I even thought was possible. And then I rose my game. I got better to meet his expectations. So I would tell my younger self to raise my expectations on what I even think is possible. Um, you heard him here first, folks. Uh, Ryan LaVarnway, thank you so much. Did you have fun? I had fun. Good job, bud. Anything else you want to add? No, baseball podcasts are fun. Mm-hmm. You can follow Ryan LaVarnway at rlavarnway. That's R-L-A-V-A-R-N-W-A-Y on Instagram. And you can help my show by subscribing to Baseball Podcasts Are Fun on Instagram and YouTube and Spotify at Baseball Podcasts Are Fun. Please check in next week for a brand new episode. Until then, that was Ryan LaVarnway. I'm Grayson Knight, and this was Baseball Podcasts Are Fun. Don't forget to swing for the fences. See ya!